Welcome to the Musings of Our Hearts, a Jesus Youth podcast on the lives of saints. Hi everyone, welcome back. Uh, Happy Easter again. (laughs) And so today we'll be reflecting on Blessed James of Oldo. Blessed James was born in Italy. He actually lived a very worldly life. He loved um, pleasure and, you know, things of the world. He loved to party. Uh, when he was young, though, he met, uh, he fell in love and married a woman named Catherine. And both of them actually were very worldly and loved to party and have fun as well. But they had three children together. Um, during that time, the plague actually drove them um, to the countryside where uh, two of his daughters ended up dying from the plague. So even though they retreated to the countryside, two of his daughters passed away, and this caused him to rethink his priorities as well. But at the same time, he just, he wasn't there yet. He wasn't convinced that he needed to completely turn his life around until uh, the traveling replica of the Holy Sepulcher came to his town. And as a joke, he wanted to see who was taller, himself or Christ. And so he lay on the, um, the mold of the tomb just to see if he was uh, as tall and trying to mock the whole, uh, this whole, um, the reason why they were the coming through as well in, in the tomb. But in that moment, he had an instantaneous conversion and it was almost like he lay down in, in death to his old self and he emerged from that laying position, a completely changed man. Uh, He decided to become a secular Franciscan. And when this happened, when this change occurred, his wife and even his mother couldn't believe it and didn't understand what was happening. But then his mother had a vision of being before the judgment seat of God. And because of this, both his wife and his mother also uh, changed their lives. And they also became secular Franciscans as well. They converted their mansion into a chapel and a center for prayer. They were very involved in charitable acts. They helped the sick and they helped prisoners. And when Catherine died, he became a priest and his preaching moved so many to enter religious life. When he died or after he died um, and they exhumed his body, they found it to be uh, incorrupt. Uh, And uh, his life again is just a beautiful and bold witness of the transformation of Christ. Even when we go to him and we, in an attempt to mock him, Christ is real and he is God and his power can overwhelm even the hardest of hearts, even the one that was going to pierce his side. That was part of piercing, you know, crucifying him on the cross, that soldier who pierced his side, um, and received that blood and water, the first to receive the blood and water that flowed from the, that gushed forth from the heart of Jesus. Um, so what a witness of mm-hmm. a beautiful man and just his conversion, converting those around him. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one thing that touched me when I was reading his life is like, you know, his notion, like uh, he, wa- he climbed into the sepulcher he wanted to test who was taller, him <laughs> or Christ. So that phrase that stood out to me, he wanted to test who was taller, him or Christ. I think this is the question that, or a reality that happens in the lives of all human beings. Mm. Who is taller in my life? Whose ideals are taller? What is it that is thriving in my life? It's Christ's ideals or mine or the world's? 
So uh, that that is something that we always have to ponder. Every time we go to confessional, every time we uh, want to receive sacrament or even, you know, living every moment, this is something that we really need to think about. Who is taller, me or others? Christ, you know, that thing. So if he could see that Christ is taller than me and he is so tall in my life, like, you know, then then I think everything will fall in its place. Like, so, so that, that one phrase, I was pondering on that one phrase and, and also today and all reflecting and in prayer and all, I, I, I was definitely yearning and desiring for this humility Hmm. to, to just let go of my, my ideals and my ways, you know, insisting my ways and even with family or kids or, you know, Every moment, this self-renunciation need to take place. So even after his conversion, I think, till his conversion, he was okay because he had a company in his wife and the family. He was rich and yeah. friends. So he had everything. And also there is a another version of the story. Like some versions of his biography says that um, it's not the Holy Sepulchre that changed him. But some people say that uh, one of his close friends died. Oh. He went to their funeral and it changed him. Oh, okay. So, but there were two versions, but this is the most popular version mm-hmm. where he tried to compare himself with Christ. Like, so that stood out to me. So, uh, it is very important this thing, like you know, this uh, desire to, to, to let go, yeah, of ourselves. So earlier he had this company of all these people, and now after meeting Christ, you know, in a in a very personal encounter. He that has given him strength to let go of all these stuff. You know, his conversion is just like uh, such a b- drastic conversion. Like he he didn't like any of those things, uh, and he he just wanted to just throw away everything that he held precious, mm. even his talents like painting. He he was an excellent painter, singer, dancer, everything, but he then started to use his talents for God. Started painting religious pictures and. Uh, giving away his money or using his uh, resources for helping the poor for the kingdom. So that is, that is something very amazing. That That is a testament that he had such a genuine conversion. And he didn't, he didn't force it upon his family. Like, you know, he was patiently bearing with them till God himself dealt with them. Uh, and that is something that I have seen in the lives of many, many people, even in our own lives. I'm, I'm th- I was thinking like how easily I get frustrated and impatient when I get converted. Okay, everybody need to convert like me. Everybody <laughs> need to do things like me because this is the best. Yeah. Again, humility like there. Like so, when we leave it to Christ, you know, He takes it upon Himself. Like when we seek His kingdom, everything will be added unto us. Whatever we need. And whatever our loved one needs, including their conversion, everything now is upon Christ. So he will do that very, very faithfully. And I I love this quote too. Uh, do not lay up, or scripture, scripture verse from Matthew. Uh, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
every time I, I think about the scripture verse, um, when I was in Teze, I didn't have a wallet on me. And so I was there for two months and I didn't really know. I, there was not much to really use money for. So mm-hmm. I had to keep my my cash somewhere safe because most of the places are open. Even our dorms are, mm-hmm. are open space. So especially with the cash I was given in case I needed it, um, I ended up putting my, my euros in my Bible <laughs> because I carried my Bible everywhere. And it was a leather bound Bible that would zip up. So I would keep my money <laughs> in my Bible. And every time people would, you know, see that I would always quote the scripture ver- verse that says like, where your treasure <laughs> is, there your heart will be also. So, <laughs> so I kept my, I kept my treasure. So you put the treasure where your heart is, in the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it, but again, you know, that that's that's, <laughs> that's that's me in my uh, simple, not even simple, but like in a in a joking, in a casual yeah. way, but mm. working through, yes, this desire that, yes, my heart is here, but mm. I am still longing for it. There mm. are still like these desires for worldly things. And so what you said about, yes, renouncing that that those desires not again to do violence Mm -hmm. that god Mm -hmm. just god wants to treat you as a slave Mm -hmm. you can't do anything Mm -hmm. but to realize the freedom exactly there is there's a greater freedom and we are actually enslaved to our passions and desires Mm -hmm. more so Mm -hmm. they guide us but when we come into the fullness of christ Mm -hmm. and that freedom we'll see that now we are free to do Mm -hmm. what is right what is good what is loving to give of ourselves mm-hmm. because he's shown us that on the cross, that this mm-hmm. is what love is mm-hmm. the love that we think where we need to be served and we, mm-hmm. everyone needs to do it our way. That's not love. That's not the fullness of charity in which we respect, not just our own freedom and realize mm-hmm. that, but even the the freedom of others for them to come into their mm-hmm. own. Um, and I, when I think about this too, I'm like, Lord, you must be so annoyed and frustrated all the time. <laughs> if I get so annoyed and frustrated that people don't understand your goodness, oh, you must be <laughs> how patient you are, oh Lord. <laughs> yeah, actually this freedom is something very, very important because we think that the ability to do anything that we want is true freedom. Yeah. No, the real freedom is just like Christ said, you know, I have the freedom to lay down my life and to take it back. Yeah. So that is the freedom that Christ gives us when he comes into our life. The, without free will, we are laying down our life. And in, in instead of that, he's giving us his life. That is totally, you know, the, that has no limit at all. So that that's kind of a freedom that all these saints enjoyed. Mm. When we see Francis walking without clothes, that that is an amazing freedom where he's not bound by anything. He's going into that freedom of that, you know, the original innocence of Adam. So uh, that is something that amazing quality that we see in all these saints like the the freedom that they enjoyed and also there is another kind of freedom that um that is coming to the world at this time uh it may, some people may consider that as a fear or a kind of a fear but today i got a call from one of my friend in the mo- morning and she said like these days there is a shortage of bible because people are you know craving and they they are buying bible and reading Mm. more and more maybe because of the condition about you know the fear of death Mm -hmm. or whatever it is like people have come to a point where they have started to reflect about the 
you know, the futility of human power. Yeah. We, we thought we could do everything. Like, you know, we could, what, what all the things we were saying, like having settlement in moon or <laughs> going for vacation to Mars. Now everybody's confined to their own homes where we are having a great time yeah. like that. So, so, you know, that kind of freedom uh, that we thought is going to let us loo- let loose, you know, all these things. But there is another kind of freedom in laying down our desires and uh, being with others, like, you know, th- that Christ wants us at this time. So that is very important. And this fear of death is a very, very, it's a good thing in a way, like what happened to James. He started to reflect when his kids passed away. Mm-hmm. So I remember when the first time I ever saw a Christian funeral, I was like, man, you guys attend these funerals and and still go back to these things. Like I told my friend, I was in med school and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this the first time you are hearing a funeral? He said, no, 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 I hear it. I'm saying, this is the first time I'm here attending a funeral. And I feel like, you know, man, I have to really change my ways because I don't know when I will die. Yeah. Like, you know, the angel of God just came that evening with my the news for my, I'm like, oh. Man, I, I don't know when I'm dying. I need to be ready like that. So that kind of a feeling is good. Like keeping my death always in front of me. That is the only surest certainty. The 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 certainty, the, the an uncertain certainty, mm-hmm. you know, that is our death. So to keep if we think about our death, that will keep us sober. And that can that can make us sane uh, in a in a in greater way. So uh, that's about him and uh, and also today um you know we are called the church calls us as we prepare for the feast of divine mercy to pray for all the souls that are lukewarm what an apt yeah. intention for today yeah and a good example like uh, james of old he was a lukewarm soul yeah like you know but the grace of god could work such a miracle out of a man like him. Exactly. So the, they are such examples like, you know, that God can work on anybody, anybody. So let us just keep, uh, uh, you know, pray, praying like, you know, all people all over the world will come to know him, that his divine mercy can convert many more souls. And in this feast of divine mercy, let there be miracles happening all over the world. So let's pray with St. Faustina and all the faithful all over the world. Most compassionate Jesus, you are compassionate self. I bring lukewarm souls into the abode of your most compassionate heart. In this fire of your pure love, let these tepid souls who like corpses filled you with such deep loathing be once again set aflame. O most compassionate Jesus, exercise the omnipotence of your mercy and draw them into the very ardor of your love and bestow upon them the gift of holy love for nothing is beyond your power. And eternal Father, turn your merciful gaze upon lukewarm souls who are nonetheless enfolded in the most compassionate heart of Jesus. Father of mercy, we beg you by the bitter passion of your Son and by his three-hour agony on the cross, let them too glorify the abyss of your mercy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening.